listening to the Retirement Remix Show with financial advisors and hosts Chip Munn, that's me, and John Tate of Signature Wealth Group. Get ready for a bite-sized dose of timely and actionable financial planning and retirement tips alongside remixed retirement stories from real people just like you. Listen in now to be inspired, find direction, and build your own retirement remix. John Tate, what's up, man? Chip Munn, it is a glorious day to be alive because it is not only a Friday, but it is also my son's last day of school. So today is going to have that very much last day of school vibe to it all day long. Well, our listeners can't see you, but you are wearing a Hawaiian shirt while we're having this conversation. So I know that you definitely already kind of have that vibe going on. There may or may not be a pool party developing in our backyard with some friends from Turner's class after this. So, well, John Tate, you can crash my party anytime. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Well, that's my Luke Bryan reference, because for those of you who don't know, (laughs) I sound like Luke Bryan, which is what one of John's friends and clients mentioned. I won't sing today for everybody's sake, but just know if you need to rent somebody out, does both financial advice and karaoke as Luke Bryant, I'm your guy. So always fun when I'm with you, John Tate. That is correct. We can't have a bad time. But we also have a guest with us, so that means it's a multiplied good time. And we have Karen Schwartz with Doman and Schwartz Real Estate Group with us today. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, and thank you so much to you and Chip for having me today. Good to have you on. Absolutely. So, Karen, tell us a little bit about how did you get into real estate? Oh, wow. (laughs) That's a loaded question, but a great one. I was in the jewelry business, actually, for uh, about 20 years prior to this, and I started having sore feet because I was in retail and I worked in a store and I walked all day long in high heels and loved it. But when I started developing the feet problems, I was like, what can I do next? And my mom was a realtor actually back in the 70s and we're a lot alike. And I thought, well, I could do that. So I started exploring and talking to my clients about real estate and just started developing a passion for it even before I got my license. So that's how I ended up where I'm at today. So you wanted a job where you didn't have to work so much and you got into real estate? I I don't know. I question that. That's uh, especially these days. just walking because I was on my feet all the time in a store. And while I walk a lot now, you still have that time where you're at your desk. For sure. It's nice to get out and about. And it's one of the fun things about what I'd call helping professions like ours. So it is great to have you. Over the last couple of episodes, John, we've talked about a couple of different things with regards to real estate, kind of why purchase real estate, a little bit about inflation. What are some of the things that you've taken away from the last couple of episodes? Well, you have to decide in the beginning why it is that you want to purchase a piece of real estate, whether, you know, upgrading into a different area, a different home for yourself, or just adding on to the portfolio and adding a retirement home, a vacation home a piece of rental property that will help you both with asset value and income, outpace inflation over the long term. So you really have to figure out the why in the beginning, and that will hopefully 
point you in the right direction of which way you need to go. And then also we talked in the last episode about assembling your team and getting the right core group of people around you to help you make the right decision. And one of those team members that we mentioned both weeks, I think, is having a realtor on board to help you. Because at the end of the day, if you're going to outpace inflation, which we talked about, and you have a piece of property, you've collected the income, which is one of the ways to do that. But then you also have to be able to realize the asset value, the asset appreciation at the end. So the end game is to recoup value. And what way can you do that? I guess you could borrow money against the property, but primarily what people look at is selling the piece of real estate or property and recouping the second piece of the puzzle there. And so that's where realtors come in, right? Yeah, absolutely. And again, that's where we'll draw now our realtor in. Karen, when you look at real estate and we're looking at it as an investment and we've bought in and we've done a longer term, it's been part of a plan that we have. When we start thinking about maximizing our value in real estate, where do we start? Well, you start with a great real estate agent, and especially in today's market, because the inventory is so tight. It's important that you have somebody looking for you every single day and you being ready to make that move. So today's market is a little bit different, but finding the agent is number one, no matter what market you're in. The other thing that you want to do is get your pre-approval. How are you going to pay for it? You've got to think about that. Are you going to pay cash? Are you going to get a mortgage? And if so, we need to have a good mortgage broker involved as well. And then researching neighborhoods. I mean, your agent will educate you, but I think it's also important that you decide where you want your property to be as far as an investment goes. I mean, Chip, you have had clients and I've had clients that have started out living and working in the place where we have our offices, and then they will move away for one reason or another. And there've been a couple of times when people have moved and they've done it relatively quickly. And then within a short period of time, they're moving again because they get to the new area and the place that they initially thought they wanted to live after having lived there is not where they want to be. I mean, how many times have we seen that happen? A ton. And I would say, I just want to circle back a little bit, Karen. And one of the questions that we get is, why do I need a realtor? And I just want to pause for a minute and say, there are two things that are the greatest assets that most people have. Two of the bigger decisions that they ever make are their retirement accounts or their investments and their home, whether that's a first home or a second home. And so I just want to say right off the bat, it's not something that in my mind, this is not a do-it-yourself kind of thing. And so I, I think you nailed it as far as having a realtor and the right realtor is incredibly important, whether you're looking to buy or in some cases you've already done it and now you're looking to list it and sell it. So Karen, let's say we're on the other side of things. So we've bought an investment We've owned it and it's turned out well, but now we're wanting to figure out kind of a now what. We're thinking about listing our house and let's say even it's not next week, maybe it's within the next year or so, so that we have a little bit of time. What are some of the things that we can do to improve and make our property the best investment that we can? So I think it depends on the age of the home, of course, and the condition that it's already in. But I feel like 
where you're going to get the most value. I mean, simple things like painting, your flooring, landscaping. Baths and kitchens are important too, but it just depends on the age of the home, your market and the marketability of that particular property. And every situation is going to be different and every neighborhood is going to be different. So it depends on the demand of that particular neighborhood. But I would say those five things are super important. And Karen, when you, you know, when you're helping somebody and they come to you and say, I'm ready to sell my home or I'm thinking about it, it's usually not just one thing that they need to fix, right? There's usually a list. <laughs> There's usually a list, yes. And part of, I think, the struggle is sometimes it will take people longer to get to that point where they're ready to sell because potentially the list of things seems overwhelming. How do you help them narrow down where to start or what to do first? Well, this is for an investment property, correct? It could be either, any. Okay. Really just meeting them at their house and walking through the house with them. And we look at every room. I look at the ceilings. I look at all the light fixtures. I mean, just all the little things that I feel are the most important with the things that I mentioned. Now, if you are selling your primary home and you're living in it and you've got to sell it while you're living there, staging is a great thing to do. So what I do is I actually bring a stager into all of my furnished listings and have her walk through with the client as well. So it's kind of a double dose of us both looking at the home and seeing what the best options are for that property. So Karen, I'm an expert in real estate because I've watched every season of both Selling Sunset and Million Dollar Listing. <laughs> So I feel like I know everything, but I'm going to ask anyway, how do you tell when it's worth it to do the staging? Because up until I began my master's degree studies on Bravo, it was one of those things that I had never really heard of a stager or doing some of these things. How does that work? How do you figure out what it costs and and how do you determine whether or not it's worth it? So I think it, again, depends on the market, the neighborhood, the price point, and what your market is doing at that point in time. If it's a furnished home, I truly believe that you should stage every single furnished home. You don't have to bring in furniture. You use your own furniture, use your own bedding and pillows and whatnot. The stager is just going to come in and give you ideas and give you tips on what to change. For instance, if you've got a bunch of pictures of your family all over your house, those are things that you're going to want to remove. She or he might have you remove pieces of furniture, artwork, just moving and rearranging. And I don't know the science behind it, but I work with a professional stager. And when I see the before and after pictures, I'm always amazed. And the sellers do the work. So we bring in a stager. She does a consultation. She walks the house with them, gives them the recommendations. They do the work and it makes such a difference. And in today's virtual world where we're doing a lot of virtual tours, we're doing a lot of sight unseen sales, staging is so important. So it does make your property look like a model home. And that's the best I could describe it. If you are going to stage a unfurnished home. I think it depends again on the price point. Like I was thinking about our market, 
And in our market right now, I feel like if it's unfurnished under 500,000, then that's okay. Maybe we could do virtual staging. Have you ever seen virtual staging? I haven't. Yeah, it's basically just where they put pieces of furniture on the pictures. But that's a great way to give that virtual look for the people that are looking sight unseen. Did that answer your question? That's actually really cool. My wife does landscape photography and does some real estate photography. And one of the things that she talks about is every home has its own essence. And I think part of dealing with a realtor is having somebody who can represent and put your home in the best possible light, right? Because it's a sales thing. I mean, the point of the staging, am I remembering right that the point of taking the pictures of your family out isn't because your family's ugly. It's because you want people to be able to envision themselves like it's their home, like they're not invading or being part of somebody else's home. You want to be them to be able to to see themselves there. Is that right? That is so true. Yes, you're exactly right. So it's not that I had ugly babies. <laughs> anyway, I digress. So I understand the staging part. If I'm thinking about, again, I don't know when I'm going to resell. If I'm thinking about whether or not I want to do an addition or some form of remodeling, what's the mindset in terms of recouping or maximizing the dollars that I'm going to spend if I'm considering making some changes, knowing that eventually, again, most people, I think I read somewhere that the average person lives in any one home for about seven years on average. So understanding that I'm probably not in that forever home, whatever that is, how do you make decisions on remodeling and additions? Again, I think every house is a specific case, but I do think a good rule of thumb is if you are going to be there or if you have been there more than seven years, that many improvements could be justified. You will definitely, you know, want to have that budget and that budget is going to drive what you can do. If the house is over 15 years old, I would definitely set a budget of around 10 to 15 percent of its current value and as is condition, assuming that your roof and your heating and air and your kitchen and baths are all original. Again, I think it's contacting a realtor, even if you're not planning on selling. It's a great idea because we know what's important in today's market. I definitely agree with that. I think realtors know a lot of things about real estate, but they also know a lot of people. So, you know, whenever somebody is asking me about making changes to their home and the question arises, do you know somebody that does this or do you know somebody that could do that for me? I usually direct them back to a real estate agent and say, you know, you might check out the Coldwell Banker website or you might go and ask Karen or whomever they work with, because I'm sure they have a list of reputable painters, general contractors, other people that put in pools, whatever it is. They have a list of people that they have worked with in the past that they know do good work. And that's usually where I tell them to start. Do you find a lot of people come to you with those types of questions? Always. And I love it. And, and even past clients that, you know, have already moved on and are not looking to sell will call because we do keep that list going. It's ever evolving. And, you know, we're sometimes taking people off and adding people on that we found. So 
it's a great resource. Your realtor is a great resource for things like that. So are there certain things that if you were looking to do a renovation, first, it's really helpful to me to know kind of what that 10 to 15% number, I'd never heard that before. So that was really helpful to understand that. What are some of the areas that you would, if you were trying to you know, make an investment in your real estate to maybe freshen it up, but also improve it? What are some of the areas that you would suggest that people get the most value of when they're doing an update? Kitchen and baths, again, are huge because those can easily date a house. So if you have a home that's, let's say, 15, 20, 30 years old, and you've never had a remodel, your house is going to show very dated. And when you have a dated house, whether you're going to sell now or later, it's going to be more difficult when they're comparing to more freshened up, newer homes. Aaron, what date would you put on? You've been in our house. What date would you put on our house <laughs> based on what the kitchen and the bathrooms look like? <laughs> Just asking for a friend. Oh, gosh, that's a hard question, John. I think I'll pass on that one. It's middle of the century, is that about what you would? <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, exactly it. Well, I, I officially decided that this is going to be the most expensive episode of the Retirement Remix that I have ever done. So, (laughs) but yeah, I I think too. So let me ask you this. So we'll get personal for a minute. It seems to me like then, all right, kitchens and bathrooms. If there's something that's not ideal and yeah, you don't know how long you're going to live there, but let's say you may live there at least four or five more years. At some point, do you just go ahead and get the work done so that you can enjoy it? Or do you wait and try to do it for the purposes? I mean, I guess to say it out loud, it seems like a simple question, but I think that that's something that sometimes I struggle with is I don't know how long, for example, I'm going to be in my house, but I sure do wish my bathroom was different. Now that I've lived here five years, I really wish my bathroom and closet area or, or whatever was different. How do you make that determination in terms of, I mean, what percentage do you recoup? I mean, that's a big kind of wide-ranging question, but you picked a scab, Karen, and now now here I am in recording my therapy session. How do you make that decision? Well, again, it's an individual, what you feel is best, but I will give you my personal situation. We bought a home that was a resale home in our community, and it was only two years old but it had never been lived in and it was so dated that we said, if we buy this home, we're going to have to redo the whole kitchen. And my husband said that we were going to live here for 10 years and we've been here 10 years. So I think it's time to move now. But anyways, we went ahead and renovated the kitchen. We put new flooring in throughout the main living areas And we got to enjoy it for 10 years. But if I would have sold it after five years, would I have recouped my money? Absolutely. Because guess what? I would have been looking just like all the new construction homes that they're building in my community. So that's why I say it really depends on your home, your area, your situation. But I'm all in favor of doing remodels. You don't have to necessarily do the whole kitchen or do the whole bath. Like, let's say right now, a lot of people have dark cabinets and that kind of dates a house a little bit. And so people are doing the white cabinets and the gray cabinets and all these different colors. 
you could just paint your cabinets and maybe put a new countertop and some new hardware and boom, you've got a great looking, more modern looking kitchen. And that might be an easier fix if you're not going to be living there long term. Thank you. I don't have dark cabinets. So at least, yeah, I've got (laughs) that going for me. So what are some of the other things that you see that are additive? I mean, John provides me with an outline. So I've got things like roof replacement, HVAC. Are those things that you, if you're preparing to sell, do you go ahead and get it done? Does it sell easier with the work already done and kind of pricing it accordingly or vice versa? I would say that if your roof is pretty much ready for a new roof, I definitely think that is something that would help. Again, in this market, most of my clients are not doing anything and they're selling their homes as is and the buyer takes on that responsibility. So I would say really not necessarily in this market, but if you were in a normal market, a more even market, I would say that your roof, your heating and air definitely is a big plus. But I'm also of the mindset that your HVAC, I mean, if it's not broken and it's running fine right now, then it's good. And if you get to the inspection and the inspector says it's fine, then you're good. So you don't necessarily have to replace it prior to selling. What about going green, Karen, and adding energy efficiency options to the house like solar panels or Tesla charging ports or things like that? Have you seen any folks doing that? And do they do that? And then are they able to recoup some of the cost or is it worth it? I think a lot of the green features that we're seeing right now are things like the low E windows, the energy efficient lighting the efficient heating and cooling, your ventilation systems, you get wood from sustainable forests and things like that. There are people that are doing solar panels, but it's a little pricey and it is almost something that you really have to figure out, are you going to get the return on it? And that is going to be very house specific because it depends on the house itself, actually. Mm-hmm. So I think that the green and the efficiency items are really great sales items. You know, they help your house sell for sure. I would think that, again, this is not a sales commercial for Karen. Well, maybe it is for realtors in general. But I think that if you've made a decision to invest in some of those things, in a lot of cases, they're pretty specific and need specific kinds of buyers And so you're going to need to be able to work with somebody and position your home well, because John, I think about a Tesla charging port, you know, if you were in the right place at the right time with the right buyer, I'm sure it's a huge benefit. But if you tried to sell it to me with an F-150 and other gas guzzling consumer driven things, it doesn't add any value for me. So I, I think that that would be a situation where somebody who is actively kind of positioning and and selling the home would be really helpful. Karen, last thing I'm going to ask, home warranties, worth it, not worth it? I personally think they're worth it. There's a lot of people that do not think they are, but I think that if you have the original heating, let's say you buy a house and it's seven years old and it has the original heating and air, it has the original appliances, 
I mean, those things are only going to last 10 to 15 years from that point, but there's no saying that it couldn't go out before that. So I definitely think it's a great idea. You have a low deductible. We actually do this with our properties and we've used them and we've gotten great benefits from them. So I do agree with the home warranties. Awesome. John, any burning questions? I mean, don't leave without spending some money on your house, John. Oh, it is a daily expense for me, but I'm shocked. I have to say, I'm shocked to learn that you drive a Ford F-150 chip. That's probably the most shocking thing that will come out of today's episode. But um, I, the, other, the only other thing I would ask, Karen, what about if you're going to add technology like your internet of things, like a smart thermostat or some smart lights or some smart outlets or a ring doorbell camera, you know, security system, stuff like that. I mean, are those added selling points yet, or is it still too soon in the technology cycle for those things to be really worthwhile? No, I definitely think those are great. People love those kind of, I was showing a new home the other day and they had this hub kind of like an Alexa or an Echo or one of those devices. And it had all their particular feature, like the things you were talking about, the doorbells and security cameras, the thermostat, where you could put it on your phone or you could go to that little hub and operate everything from there. And I definitely think the lighting, the plugs, the switches, everything you just mentioned, those are super things to add on and you can really hype them up in your marketing as well. Great. That answers my question. Chip has something to say. I can tell by the look on his face. (laughs) Well, I can't say the A word in my office because all my lights will turn off. My computer won't work. Uh, but I'm a big fan of the internet of things. It makes me feel like Luke Bryan Bond to be able to walk into a room and the lights just turn on and I can just say things and different things happen. So I, I think that, but there are a lot of people who are intimidated by that. So having it might be cool, but it might not be your thing to set it up. So I, I think that I like the idea. And quite honestly, part of the reason I was chuckling, John, is because you were rattling off all these smart things. And I decided it would be funny to say, I'm just glad I have a smart co-host. So (laughs) um, Karen, it's been great having you. I really appreciate helping me spend my money because that's kind of the way this thing turned out on my end. It's been awesome. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me, both of y'all. If you don't share pictures, Chip, it never happened. And Karen, I think he just promoted you to co-host. I think it's what he just said. I could be wrong. That would be awesome. Well, thanks again. John, we'll see you next week, brother. Next Friday it is. There we have it. Another great episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, here are four ways that we can help. First, complete the Retirement Success Scorecard to discover whether or not you're on track to a successful retirement on your terms. You can find this at SignatureWealth.com slash scorecard. Second, get a complimentary copy of my book, The Retirement Remix. Whether you're interested in real-life retirement stories and inspiration from others like you, or you want to learn more about Medicare and Social Security, it's all in there. Go to theretirementremix.com to grab your copy. Third, listen in on bi-weekly office hours with our team. We host live virtual office hours to share new investment and planning information and answer your money, markets, and retirement questions. Find the details to join us at SignatureWealth.com slash office hours. And fourth, 
Schedule a complimentary strategy call with one of our advisors to make sure you're on track toward your ideal retirement. Go to SignatureWealth.com and select the Signature Wealth office closest to you. We'll be back here next week for more on the Retirement Remix. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode.